0: This is the Hack the Future podcast, the human stories behind courage, purpose, and imagination. Join your host, Terence Mowry, who will guide you on the journey of reimagining the world as we know it. Today, I'm delighted to meet Professor Linda Gratton at London Business School. We'll be discussing her brilliant new book, Redesigning Work, How to Transform Your Organization and Make Hybrid Work for Everyone. When you think about it, everything starts as an act of imagination, but to sustain vitality for the long term, well that requires reimagination, which I define as the curiosity to learn and the courage to unlearn. Learning helps you evolve, unlearning helps you keep up as the world evolves. Linda Gratton and I will unpack great concrete lessons to help you lead from the future, not the past. Remember, today's challenges can't be solved with yesterday's thinking. Linda, Welcome.
1: Thank you, Terence. Thank you for having me.
0: Today, I want to give our listeners the equivalent of a double espresso to yeah. Uh, yeah. shake up their thinking. It feels like change used to happen as a breeze, and now it feels like a Category 5 typhoon. Everything seems to have changed, including working from home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the pandemic really accelerated Mm. lots of trends that were already in play, Terrence. And what that meant Mm. more than anything is we suddenly realized or organizations realized that people could work from home and still be productive. And Mm. I think that that's a lesson that we're still grappling with as we move into what I'm calling the refreeze. So we've had the unfreeze with the pandemic and we're just moving back into the refreeze with lots of questions, lots of experiments and still a lot of chat about what's going to work best in your office.
0: I understand that you have a journal and during the pandemic, there was a lot of writing happening. And in fact, I I imagine a lot of those uh, observations uh, went towards your latest book, Redesigning Work. What were some of the sort of surprising insights or takeaways from what you describe as uh, one of the world's biggest unplanned experiments
1: well I did keep a journal in fact actually I kept it from the 13th of mm. March you remember that yes, lockdown day I and I kept it right the way through I, I've actually stopped doing it. well I notice I'm writing in it today so maybe I'll start again <laughs> um, I guess Terrence you know for me the, looking back on it and I mm. did use it as uh, some of the raw information for mm. my, my both my Harvard Business Review article doing hybrid right which if you remember came out yes. in May of 2021 so I got that out really quickly mm. and then the book Redesigning Work which came out in April mm. of 2022, mm. um, what 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 really struck me looking back at that mm. is how hard it was for us to predict what was going to happen next. You yes. know, so I was really lucky pretty early on in March that I'm a member of the World Economic Forum Council yes. on the on work. So I you know I was sitting down with the major CEOs, mm. uh, other thinkers in other parts of the world. We had a Zoom in the middle of of, of March and people were saying, mm. well, I think this is all, all gonna be over by September. <laughs> and of course the year later when I, t- they all said, oh no, 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 we predicted it was going to be at least a year. And I said, no, you didn't because I've actually got a diary entry that said you thought it was all going to be over by <laughs> September. So I think, you know, the fact it took so long mm. really surprised us. And I think to be honest, Terence, mm. I don't know what you feel, but yes. I think that the idea that when, when we came out, first of all, we would have this enormous shock where people didn't want to go back to work. There would be a huge sort of war for talent. Mm. I didn't expect that. And then, of course, now we're moving into hyperinflation. And so yes. th- those are these are all going to really change the way that we work. Mm. And some of the things that happened in the pandemic, I think, are going to be rolled back. But yes. what I would love, and this is why I'm so pleased to be speaking with you today, Terrence, yes. is for people to realize... Let's just not go back to where we were. You know, we've learned a lot. Mm. Let's think about our lessons and make sure that we create ways of working that suits everyone. Yes.
0: And I think really, like you say, harnessing this uncertainty as a tailwind for reimagination. And I, I wanted to ask you for a CEO or an HR leader listening to our conversation today, anywhere around the world, what should be on their agenda? What should they be thinking about over the next couple of months? Because as you say, I think The Economist describes it as a world of predictably unpredictable, red-hot inflation, yeah. war for talent, labor, labor shortages. What would be one or two key things on their uh, agenda that they need to think about in terms of uh, really sort of managing these headwinds?
1: Yeah, well, you know, like like you, Terence, mm. I'm also an entrepreneur. I have my own company as well as yes. being a professor at the London Business School. And and what I'm saying to my CEO or to the other CEOs, of course, from multinationals that I advise, is, you know, there's two things you've got to really keep mm. in mind now. One yes. is the people and one is the jobs. I yes. honestly think that we have thought too much about people and not enough about jobs. And by which I mean we've yes. asked people, what do you want? And what we know about humans is we're not really very good at knowing what we want until we've got it. You know, yes. when we've got something, we can either say, yeah, we want a bit more of it or a bit less of it. So people said, oh, I really want to work from home. And now quite a lot of people are saying, actually, I'm quite lonely. I'm not learning very much. Actually, my house isn't really set up. Yes. Can I come back, you know, a couple of days a week, or whatever. And I think that if I was a CEO right now, Mm. in fact, as I am, I would say, focus on the jobs, ask yourself, what sort of jobs do we have in this organization Mm. and where and when are they both best done? I'm fundamentally a writer. Mm. I'm an author of of many books, as you know. And so for me being Being on my own, Mm. unconnected from others so I can write for three or four hours a day is really important. Yes, Yeah, that sort of deep thinking, that deep work. Mm. But for other people, they have to have jobs where they really want to be with other people. It's really, they want to be cooperative. They want to be creative. Yes. And and I think there's still some questions. So so that's what I'd say to the CEO. First of all, Mm. do listen to your people, but also listen to the job. And I think second, the Mm. third thing I'd say is, Be prepared to experiment. You know, for example, you're an Mm. entrepreneur. You know how important innovation is. Mm. We still don't really know whether you know virtual innovation is as powerful as mm. face-to-face innovation yes. we don't really know you know if you're going to get 50 people together what's the best way to be as innovative as possible yes. we have quite a lot of details about that but there's still a lot to learn and so I would mm. use this next period as a learning process as I, a learning time
0: yes and I, I love that I love that and it reminds me of this mantra from Satya Nadella at Microsoft be a learner not a knower and I I, yeah. I know that when you met with uh, Gary Hamill and Michael Zan- yeah he asked the question is it possible to co-create remotely you know what do we gain and what do we lose in terms of remote for example different research coming out uh, whether it's serendipity or social capital or solidarity yeah. or risk of burnout you know, what, what, what are your I- insights on that
1: you, you know, Terence, I think we are just learning about mm. this all the time. Let, let me give you an example yes. of that. Um, the last Harvard Business Review article I wrote was about the role of the manager. We found mm. that managers are really important at the moment. Mm. And I wrote it with Diana Gerson, yes. who has just stepped down from IBM. Uh, it was actually it was actually um, Gary Hamill who introduced us through email. Oh, yeah. And Diana and I wrote a whole article together. It's apparently one of HBR's you know most read yes, articles of the year we've never met each other. In fact, that's not Brilliant. true. Ger- Terrence, we did meet each other last month. She came to my house in France, but we hadn't yes. met each other. So here is a mm. really creative conversation that we had mm. completely over, you know, Microsoft or, or Zoom, whichever we, we used. So you yes. can be really creative. Mm. Um, and, and here's what the research shows. Mm. It shows that, you um, There is something special about being face to face Mm. as opposed to being on Zoom, and it's really to do with the way that we feel inspiration. Mm. So, for example, when you're on Zoom, you and I aren't looking at each other at the moment, but but if we were, you know, I would be looking into that little green dot and I wouldn't be looking at your eyes and my eyes would be very, very concentrated on that little green dot. And actually, when we, we know that when we're thinking creatively and, mm. y- you know, if you were, just imagine yourself, dear listener, yes. thinking creatively, the first thing you'll notice, uh, let me ask you, th- think yes. creatively about some y- your product. Yes. The first thing you'll notice is your eyes start to move around. <laughs> And 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 it seems that when you when you have these meetings where you're just looking at that little green dot, mm. y- your 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 brain is not doing that amazing sort of going for walkies, things, just thinking.
0: Yes. And so
1: it's it's really important that we don't think that mm. we can be creative on Zoom. We can't we can yes. be creative talking to people, we can be creative on our own, just thinking things through. But Zoom and these virtual mm. platforms is really when you're synchronous with somebody is yes. really an opportunity for you to share information it's not an opportunity for you to be creative so mm. for example when i'm now doing my creative work with my team yes. i'll say to them could each of you think about this topic before we come and then we'll talk about the to- your, your each of your views yes. before we then Move into what do we think about this? How do we judge it? Because you can judge pretty well on Zoom. Yes. You know, if if we have twenty topics and we say on a Zoom meeting, okay, which of the five that are going to be best? Zoom mm. was pretty good for that. But what it won't do, Terence, is mm. find you the twenty topics.
0: Yes, I mean I love that, and it reminds me um, at the weekend on Saturday I had the pleasure. Of hearing Gillian Tett from the from the FT and many other of her colleagues at Kenwood House. Oh uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, how
1: nice. Yes,
0: and I'd recommend this to any of our listeners, by the way. If you if you're travelling and, and you have a chance to come to London next year, check the uh, FT Weekend Festival. But I um, I heard Esther Perel speak the psych, you know yeah. the, the psychotherapist, and she said this is a, actually a, a moment of liminality, um, a sort of moment as well where we've got one foot in a, a pre-COVID world and one foot in a post-COVID world, and that creates risk, but also opportunity.
1: Yes, I I love the word liminality. It's Mm. a word, actually, that my great friend, Hamini Ibarra, uses in her Ah, work on transformation. And liminality um, means it is the unfrozen really Mm. it's it's the point at which you're between you're in between things you're and I think I've talked about liminality quite a lot with regard to life stages you remember yes I remember yes yeah we we wrote that book the hundred year life and and thank you and then the new long life Mm. and we we use the concept of liminality but I think uh, and I've also used it to describe what's happening now with COVID. That mm. we are we are in between things, yes. a- and it's like you know, going to, thinking, of, looking at a, a moving river. Mm. You know, if you throw something into the river, it's not going to be the same river five minutes later. And it's the yes. same really with our lives. You know, mm. we cannot go back to a pre-COVID life. We can't. Yes. It's it's already disappeared. And what yes. we have to do is to make sure that we really build on what we've learned. Mm. And continue to experiment and then
0: continue to build it segues really nicely into a conversation i had recently with jeff schwartz who's the co-author of a great book called work disrupted and also a, a founding partner of a, a sort of work ecosystem talent marketplace called gloat and we had a conversation about all of these different shifts that are happening for example career ladders to career climbing walls bossed to unbossed, uh, command and control to care and co-creation. And I understand um, that you are involved in a really interesting organization as well, as startup called RollShare.
1: Oh, yeah, I am. Well, I mean, like you, Terrence, I think it's really important that to invest in others yes. and to invest in their ideas. And so over the years, I have been investing in entrepreneurs, some of whom came out of London Business School, of course, because yes. you have know, this amazing MBA, as you know, entrepreneurial group. <laughs> yeah, very... a- and two of my students came to me a couple of years back, three mm. years back and said, you know, we think role share is a really good idea. You know, why is it that more people can't share their jobs? And I said, "Yes, yeah, that's mm. a really good idea. Why isn't it happening? And it turns out there's a whole mm. lot of reasons. You know, for example, it's hard for you to meet the person yes. who you can yes. role share with. It's hard for the organization to Act to, to agree with it, and so what they've done, being yes. great MBA students, is they've created a platform that helps you to do that. They've now got it rolled out in some of the world's largest companies. So oh, yeah, I'm fantastic. really thrilled to be to be both a sort of an, an early an early investor in them because I think yes. I think it's you know we have to be as creative as possible about mm. the way we work and you know, being able to share a job is a good idea, Mm. being able to work flexibly is a good idea, being able to work, you know, in a talent agency. I love what Jeff's done. Mm. Jeff and I sit on the same MIT Sloan committee together. So I, I know him pretty well. And Yes. You know, it's, it's great that he's also investing in ideas, mm. yeah.
0: I, I, I love that and it um, reminds me of three letters, ROI. So uh, this is my new human metric, not return on investment, return on intelligence. This idea of creating a real cognitive advantage. And uh, I wanted to turn a spotlight onto your fantastic new book, uh, for our listeners' benefit, Redesigning Work, How to Transform Your Organization and Make Hybrid Work for everyone tell me more about the the kind of mandate of the book some of the big takeaways and also the sort of this idea of the design thinking behind it
1: well th- yeah thanks terence um, and thank you for that big shout out i appreciate <laughs> that pleasure. another quick shout out i did actually narrate the audio book myself did you yeah i've never brilliant done it i'm never going to do it again <laughs> but for those of you who would would like to hear me reading the very book, nice then and you can do so on the yes. audio book. But what, what I was, what mm. I tried to do, was to address the issue during the pandemic of what's going to happen next. And yes. To be honest, I rushed to write it, Terence. So this Mm. this time last year, I was still writing it. I spent the whole of July, August, September finishing it. Um, I was very lucky with my publishers; they published very Penguin published very quickly. Very good. MIT published very quickly in the US, so it came out in April, which was astonishing, really. And what I wanted to show was, look, you know, the the issue that we face around hybrid Mm. is not a buy. It's not. Should we go into the office? Should we stay at home? Mm. You know, this is not the question. The question is, how do we redesign work? And I used, yes. as you mentioned, design thinking mm. as the way into that. And it's design thinking is something I've been playing around with for really, many, many years. Yes. It, it, it pops up in my books right I from can the very see beginning. see that really
0: interesting angle.
1: Yeah, well, it starts with living strategy. Actually, I had yes. a go at it, and I put, then I called it systems, but no. anyway. Mm. And, and really, what it's saying is, you need to go through a design process. You know, you yes. need to ask yourself, what is happening here? What's happening to, to jobs? What's happening mm. to people? What could I imagine? How could mm. I be as imaginative, as creative as possible? How do I then, you know, test these ideas out? Is it fair? Big mm. issue, right? This is emerging right now. Is it going to help productivity? Another yes. big issue. <laughs> and then I've got to find ways of getting people excited and involved. So that four, sort of four-step yes. design process sits at the heart of the book. I have to say, mm. Terence, I'm a little bit disappointed. Why? well i you know looking at the at the press and looking Mm. at how ceos are describing Mm. they're still seeing it in binary should we be at home should we be should we be um in the office and i Mm. and i i feel in fact i was even just talking to someone this morning Mm. on a video link and i i felt wow their thinking hasn't really got to that systems design thinking Mm. yet and i and i hope sometimes what happens with my books is i'm just a little bit too early Mm. so i'm hoping i'm a little bit too early because. I would be so disappointed yes. if we just see this huge complex things that's happened to us simply as, 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 as should we be at home or should we be in the office? That's not the yes. issue. The issue is how do we re- redesign work? How do we use this opportunity to redesign work in a way that helps people be productive, creative, engaged, healthy, happy?
0: I'm with you. I think there's a real concern and I'm seeing it a lot in the press as well. And without naming names, you know, there's some big companies around the world that seem to be perhaps using recessionary forces and the sort of period of volatility that we're entering as perhaps a a way of pushing or coercing um, their employees back to the office in a very sort of pre-COVID manner.
1: And I don't think this is at all unpredictable. I think it was, in fact, in the book, I I predicted this. I Mm. said, look, you know, what your CEO is going to be interested in is productivity. And if you can show... During COVID experiments, that actually people are productive mm. working from home on a certain number of days a week or whatever it is, that they can be, they can come to team agreements, that they will do high-quality work, then it will stick. But if you can't show that, yes. then they're going to let their natural anxieties overtake them. And the natural anxiety mm. of honestly almost every boss's presenteeism. Yes. You know, I-, I was talking to somebody last week who was very honest with me they said you know the way i used to manage is i used to count how many cars there were in the car park when i came in (laughs) in in the morning (laughs) you know so managing by counting cars and actually, I, I I have a lot of sympathy for that. You yes. know, I, I run a company where people are working from home and I'm thinking to myself, what are they doing? <laughs> so, you know, you have to be absolutely sure yes. that the, the way you've designed work helps people to be more productive. Mm. And companies that have done that, and IBM's one of them, TCS, is another. There are companies that have mm. got really clear data that shows that if you give people some sort of mm. um, autonomy about yes. how they work, then they work more effectively, more productively, and they're more engaged, but you do need that data. And I think Mm. some companies just haven't really thought enough about it and so Mm. they're going straight into the oh my goodness we're going into a recession let's get everyone back
0: in the office. The easiest thing to do is to react and it it reminds me of this uh this saying I think it came from Daniel Kahneman that we're blind to our own blindness and I wanted to ask you you know from your observations and insights of working with organizations around the world uh, and through your advisory firm as well you know what are some of the the biggest things—the sort of the the, the always done ways—that need unlearning because they've gone off like yogurt in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> now thinking
1: about yogurt in the fridge. Um, well, I think that the, the presenteeism is the number yes. one. That the only way people can be productive productive is if they're in an office. Mm. And the reason I think that happened, and Diane and I brought it out in our HBR article on, on on managers, is because frankly, you know, if you're a team leader, having everybody in the office at the same time in the same place is really easy. You, yes. go, you honestly don't really need to lead them. They just get on with it. Humans are incredibly good. You know, we've mm. had millions of years of learning how to coordinate with each other so we can do that. Yes, And I think the difficulty is as you get into a much more complicated design of work where some people are going to be in different locations, they might not all be working on the time same mm. time zone. Mm. That really puts a lot of emphasis onto the um onto the 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 the, mm. the, the team leader to yes. design work and so i think that's that's the number one mm. problem which is how do you reimagine
0: yes. work
1: but also how do you reimagine the, the role of a manager what what are managers there for? To do. I think before the pandemic, yes. we all thought that they were the frozen middle. You know, if only mm. we could get rid of managers, then our lives would be better. But actually, what we found in the pandemic is they were the unsung heroes. Mm. You know, it, when companies did well and teams did well, it was almost always because a team leader mm. was. Empathic, thoughtful, yes. consultative. So I think you know the second thing we've got to get rid of. Although to mm. be frank, I think at London Business School we had mm. got rid of this—the idea of the big macho male leader, you know, whose yes. job is the sort of bark commands. I think honestly, we'd sort of got rid of that. Yes, but nevertheless, I think that COVID has just reinforced the point it's, that the leaders yes. that we most admire have a thoughtful, intelligent,
0: consultative approach. It, I mean, it reminded me of my days when. Um, um, you know, I used to work at Satchi and Saatchi and there were the many different types of bosses. We all they all had different nicknames, and we had the shadow boss, and the interferer, <laughs> and the silent assassin, and the backstabber, <laughs> and the front stabber and it was terrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love the silent assassin. <laughs> we can
0: all think of one of those. <laughs>
1: Actually, me too. I could name them right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> in our in our final uh, five minutes together, I wanted to really sort of look at some bread and butter issues and just get your reaction to them. Yeah. Uh, so number one that seems to be trending right now, quiet quitting. What's your, what's your uh, reaction to that one, your thoughts on that? You
1: know, I do think work is a wonderful thing. Mm. And I think that you either do it or you don't. I don't like quiet quit- quitting. Yes. I've said to people around me, if this job doesn't work for you, quit. Yes. It's, not, it's not good psychologically for you to be in this sort of state where you're not really committing to things. It's not a human thing. Humans mm. want to commit to something. They want to be part of something. So I don't like quite keep quitting. I think mm. if you want to
0: quit, quit. Okay, very good. Another one, um, burnout or bore out. And just for our listeners benefit, bore out, basically it's either cognitive and emotional overload or cognitive uh, underload. There was a case of a, a Parisian employee suing their company for 50,000 euros for bore out.
1: I just love it. This
0: could be a new book title.
1: (laughs) Well, we we do know that, don't we? Do you remember that all that data on stress years ago showed us that Mm. a little bit of stress is great and too much stress is terrible? And actually, it's just getting that level of activity right. That's actually part of the reason why I think you know, people should get involved with designing their own work, designing their own jobs. Yes. Because, you know, if you design your job, then you're much more likely to get the optimum level of activity. You know, I design my own work because I have, you know, a portfolio. And that, for me, is really important. I spend mm. quite a bit of time trying to get the balance right. And sometimes mm. I don't get it right, so I'm burnt out because I'm doing too much. Certainly by July, I was really burnt out. But then I yes. pulled back and, and stopped doing you know, Zooms and things for, for, for mm. a few weeks just to give myself a bit more space. So mm. I think it's really partly the job but it's partly us as humans need Mm. to be very aware that we need the right level of stimulation Mm. but we don't want to be overly stressed and that's a balance all of us have to keep in mind on our in our day-to-day choices about
0: how we work love that and uh, sort of final thoughts you know if you put your zeitgeist hat on and think ahead over the next uh, six to 12 months and and sort of what, what should leaders be thinking about? What are some new, sort of new signals yeah. or emerging yeah. uh, inflections that can be harnessed as tailwinds?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's about friendship, actually. Yes. That's what I'm writing about at the Great. moment. I did, a, I did a nice piece in the FT on that. I did a mm. very nice podcast on mm. friendship. I'm just writing something at the moment for yes. MIT Sloan. I do think it's about connectivity, but it's yes. not really about transactional connectivity. Mm. It's about caring yeah. for somebody. Mm. It's about empathy. And, you know, the truth is most of us spend a lot of our Mm. time at work. Work Mm. has to be a place of friendship.
0: Yes, I think it's so important. I, I read somewhere that if we're lucky, we live for 960 months, which is just 80 years of age. And we spend a third of that at work and a third of that at sleep. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we don't make friends when we're asleep. So we make them when we're when we're at work. So that for me is, yes. you know, that's my, that's my, you know, I, I'm not a satchy person. If I was yes. going to brand at the moment, it would be friendship.
0: We're going to square the circle. Our goal today was to give our listeners the equivalent of a double espresso or a spiced pumpkin latte. And mm-hmm. what would be your final thoughts and calls to action for our listeners who um, you know could be it could be a CEO, could be uh, an HR leader, could be a, a, a sort of a manager recently promoted, could be a generation Z.
1: Ah yeah. well my call cool for action mm-hmm. is this is this has never happened before. none yes. of us have ever lived through a pandemic before. this is an astonishingly important moment to rethink and redesign and let's not lose that moment let's not just snap back to how we were but instead really ask ourselves from a from the individuals what sort of self do i want to be what is my possible self that's the question i'm asking yes. myself right now yes. but also from a work perspective how do i want to work yes. and be positive you know mm. people say of my work um, mm. terence i'm a very positive person i am a positive person yes. i would
0: always say be positive i think that's such a great uh positive and deliberate and intentional call to action and this idea of they get to write their future success headlines and what do they want them to be and, and take yeah. control of that.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think as institutional frames mm. become less important in our world, mm. we have to take more, we have to take us, you know, we have to take ourselves more seriously and think about our choices more deeply.
0: Yes, I've loved our conversation today and uh, thank you so much, Linda oh, Grattan, professor at LBS and author of a brilliant new book called Redesigning Work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terence.